Welcome, welcome, welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I'm Jed Sprague. This is my co-host, Evan Fagundis. Hello, everybody. And this week, we are covering war movies. But first and foremost, Evan, how the hell are you? I uh, I know that I say this every time, but I'm doing really well. And I'm really excited to be back on the pod and, and to be chatting with you about some movies. Um, and uh, I'm definitely a little bit tired and worn out uh after this week of movies that we had but i'm i'm ready to go i'm excited how are you doing i'm good yeah if we didn't you know do ourselves in by watching a bunch of fincher um mm-hmm. we really we really did it in by <laughs> watching a bunch of war movies this week i agree down. i am yeah. exhausted i am exhausted uh i just want to also thank everybody so much thank you so much for listening thank you for all the comments uh and you know criticism you know constructive that you guys have given us yeah um you know that's why we do this. We want everybody to, you know, kind of join on the conversation. So thank you mm-hmm. guys so much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, uh, I completely agree. Just definitely, definitely keep it up. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know, you know, what we're doing well, what, what we're not doing well, um, what else we can cover. And, uh, I, you know, I have to say, I'm really excited about all the people who reached out and just said that they're big David Fincher fans too. And some even saying, I'm a huge David Fincher fan and didn't even realize it. I, I watch all these movies and love them without realizing Those they're all my the same guy. Yeah, those were my favorite. Those are my favorite yeah. messages for sure. Uh, moving on, quick correction from mm-hmm. last week in my excitement. Uh, I did say that Jillian Flynn was the writer of Big Little Lies. Um, she is not the writer of Big Little Lies. She's actually the also the writer of Gone Girl, but also Sharp Objects, which was another show. Um, I was mistaken. I I apologize. So. No worries. And and Big Little Lies, uh, the novel was actually written by Lynn Mor- Leanne Moriarty. But yeah, so we want to make sure we give credit here. where credits due. Exactly, exactly. But we're not we're not holding any grudges here. Hey, we're not perfect people. We're, we're not, not perfect. We make mistakes. Far from it. Yes. Um. All right. Well, before we get into our main topic, uh, Evan, what movies did you have a chance to watch this week? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, step on top five too much. And and you guys all know, um, you know, the three that we kind of suggested watching. So as far as outside of war movies, what I watched this week was uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, wonderful Damon performance and just Jude Law uh, playing the role of the most beautiful man in the world and, and absolutely killing it. So I love that movie. I also watched um, a couple throwbacks, Dark Knight. And mm. then I watched Gone Girl because I didn't get a chance to watch that last week for Fincher and another movie I love. So watch that over the weekend. What about nice. you? Yeah, uh, I watched a lot of war movies. Mm-hmm. Um, not a ton outside of it, uh, actually. Um, but a couple of the sampling of you know some of the movies that I watched. Obviously, I watched Casablanca and mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now and, uh, and The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Um, also had a chance to watch Full Metal Jacket, um, and uh, yeah, I don't want to step on everything else too much. There's a couple no, others, but uh, you know, there may be a surprise at the Man. end of my at the end of my list, so I don't want to step on that. Um, but yeah, no, it was good week. Uh, like you said, exhausting week watching all these war movies. Uh, I watched Casablanca last night and uh, cried my eyes out. What a movie! Uh, <laughs> so it it's a very uh, it's a very beautiful movie. Yes. Absolutely. Beautiful. I know that I know that's one of your movies and I I I love you for that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh very emotional. All right. Now into our main topic of the day, war movies. Mm-hmm. Um 
first of all, we're going to be covering modern war movies on this podcast. What do we mean by modern? We just mean movies that are about basically from wars that happened in the 20th century and forward. Uh, we're not going to be covering, you know, the Civil War or the Revolutionary War, things like mm-hmm. that. That's for a different podcast. You know, right. we're, so- we're talking World War One, World War Two, um, you know, other wars that happened throughout that time. Vietnam, uh, Vietnam yeah. you know, Iraq and Iran, uh, or, sorry, Iran. Uh, and yeah, the reason we did that is just because there's two completely different genres of movies. Um, but I think the real question is, why did we choose movie war movies in the first place as a subject to cover? Uh, and I'll let you, you know, put your thoughts in on this, Evan. But to me, I just think they're extremely important to the history of cinema in general. Um, you know, a lot of the <laughs> first reasons people want to make movies was to document uh, war and, you know, glorify war, um, obviously, because it's, you know, it's beneficial to the country to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it uh, um, war movies are very interesting. And I think one of the most important aspects of them as far as just, you know, for us as the movie going public is that. Oftentimes war movies kind of set the precedent for like getting big money to do certain technological things. That's why lots of these war movies are very ahead of their time as far as the technology and set design. Um, And, and, you know, the scenes are able to shoot uh, as far as they're all concerned. You know, it's a very popular genre. And I will say we'll get into that a little bit more. and, And it's one of your favorites, I know. Um, but it's definitely easier for people uh, and directors to get big, big money for war movies than almost anything else. Yeah, I think it's really like ingrained with the history of, of cinema and, and Hollywood mm-hmm. um, specifically. You know, like you said, technological advancements, even when you go, um, you know, early on, you know, Wings is one of the first movies, uh, you know, to shoot like actual planes flying in the air. Right. And, you know, some even even the shots uh, that are like a little bit more intimate in that movie are like insanely technologically advanced uh for the time so that's why we chose them Mm -hmm. perfect segue into really quick i'm gonna run you through after hours and hours of research Mm -hmm. my basically three to four movies from uh the different eras of war movies that are like important to the conversation Mm -hmm. uh it's a bit of a timeline uh all right so starting with the early beginnings, this is basically uh, pre-1950. So you have Wings, like I said, that's very early, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, and you have Casablanca. Those are kind of the, there are a ton more from that era, but those are the three that I think are really important to the conversation. Uh, then from the 50s to the 80s, you've got Full Metal Jacket, Paths of Glory, Apocalypse Now, and Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, from the 90s, all the way to 2010, you have Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down, The Hurt Locker, and Inglorious Bastards. And then the most modern of these movies uh, from 2011 and onward, you have American Sniper, Dunkirk, and the most recent movie on this list, uh, which I actually do think is really important to watch, is 1917, which mm. came out just last year. Yeah. Uh, so that's my quick timeline you know, on... Uh, movies and then i think it's important to to note that most of the movies you know that we're going to cover today and most of the movies you know kind of that are really important to the conversation are from either an american or a british perspective uh of all the wars <laughs> that they're uh you know that are happening uh, right. a lot of that just has to do with the, who the directors are uh, where the money's coming from uh obviously movies that are about uh, american soldiers are going to make more money than movies that are about 
you know, Russian soldiers or German soldiers because we're in America. Uh, and that's, un- you know, unfortunately or not, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, Evan, I understand that this is not particularly one of your favorite genres of movies. No. Nope. And I, I just want, this was kind of a tough week for you. Right. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say, you know, incredibly tough. Um, but these definitely aren't the first movies that I look at returning to. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a, you know, I don't mind watching them. And there are some that I really like as I'll as I'll get into more later. Um, but I definitely never uh, without doing a podcast like this would never have a plan to watch like six war movies in six days or anything like that. So, yeah, as far as that goes, it was a little bit of a grind. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, I, I do love this genre of movie, but mm-hmm. watching a lot of them um, in a row is yeah, is tough. So, yeah. you know, I know that there's a bunch of different reasons for why you feel that way. But mm-hmm. just kind of walk me through, you know, why it is that, you know, watching a bunch of more movies is not, yeah. you know, your first your first choice. Right. Um, I would love to. And, you know, I, I don't I don't mean to offend anyone. And, uh, you know, I hope I don't um, definitely feel free to reach out if I do. Um, but one of the main reasons that that war movies sometimes, you know, hit me the wrong way is just generally, you know, without getting too much into my personal politics, I, I definitely am just overall like anti-conflict and especially anti-intervention uh, when it comes to geopolitical uh you know happenings and like i said i don't want to get into it too much um but i just don't love the idea of war a ton and so one of the things that bothers me about war movies is when they get really deep into like kind of being propaganda either for a specific effort uh country or what have you and yeah and it's one of those things that um and you know you mentioned in glorious bastards uh one of the main themes of the film is they're shooting actually, a propaganda film yeah there's throughout a the movie in the show uh, in the movie, directed and produced by Joseph Goebbels, um, about this German soldier named Zoller or Zoller, who uh, you know, it's about him just killing a bunch of allies in a battle. Um, mm-hmm. And so there are sometimes, and it's not that I hate these movies, but sometimes when I watch a movie like American Sniper or Lone Survivor, and I'm just like, is that that different than what I'm not? I'm not comparing the u.s now to nazi germany i'm just saying the idea of sensationalizing these quote-unquote heroic um acts in war and creating these like mythological figures out of uh certain people is is that going too far into like the glorification of of war violence no and you're right you're right but i you know i guess i would say that propaganda is, is really the reason these types of movies exist is it not I think I think you're you're right uh, you're you're right along with my point. I, yeah, I, yes, I, mean, I agree. Yes, y- I think it's, you know, like, like there are, you know, just to give a couple examples because you're right. You know, movies made purely for that um, subject. So this is a goofy one, but Top Gun. You know, the Navy was very interested in helping produce this movie um, and and went along with it. Green Berets, uh, a John Wayne movie, was literally made because he didn't like the anti-Vietnam uh sentiment in the country you know at the time that he made it um even like casablanca which i agree is a great movie um was backed by a lot of american political and military institutions you know at the government level um and as i mentioned you know american sniper lone survivor like the 
honestly, the war movies I appreciate the most are the ones that, you know, the U.S. Army or British Army or whoever it is wouldn't really agree to um, help produce because it doesn't show um, joining and being a part of that action in like the best light is, is I guess what I would say. Yeah, no, I, I totally am with you um, with you on that. Uh, I think that kind of segues into, you know, one of the points I want to make is kind of how war movies have changed over the years, right? Mm-hmm. They started out extremely as all propaganda, kind of glorifying war and heroism and, and joining the fight and stuff like that. And then they've kind of transitioned over the years slowly but surely into, you know, being more about the horrors of war and, and you know, mm-hmm. losing the, the people that you're fighting with and, you know, dealing with that loss and, and uh, you know, post-traumatic stress. Right. As well, uh, you know, you touched on a couple of modern ones, which I, that are, you know, kind of based in propaganda, which I think is is really fascinating, um, you know, and the list goes on and on and on about older uh, films that are, you know, mm-hmm. that are propaganda. Obviously, it's almost been like a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Like, you know, 70s, 80s, when you're getting like the apocalypse now, um, full metal jacket, they were kind of they were kind of crashing back down to be like, no, this is actually horrifying. And then it's kind of ebbed and flowed from there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at back like one of the original, I don't know if it's the original, but one of the early propaganda, like it's not even a film, it's a show, uh, is Bugs Bunny. <laughs> like, like even like there's a really, really unfortunately racist yes. Japanese people Bugs Bunny cartoon right? Uh, that was shown of like Bugs Bunny fighting against the Japanese in the right. Pacific theater of World War II. And it's like it's just ingrained as a part of the culture. Uh, and it's really interesting. And it's very clear, like now looking back, um, I don't know how people felt about it when it first came out. But you watch it now and you're like, how the hell did they make that? Why the hell did they make this? Like, it's it's kind of bizarre. <sighs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. But like, you know, that's obviously one of the most extreme just because cartoons can be extremely racist just by appearance in general. Um, I think there's a lot more racist undertones to a lot of the other uh you know the other more like just national pride movies right that came out of that era that Mm -hmm. were um, you know even casablanca it's really funny it's a hollywood movie it's seemingly the most innocuous like not trying to push stuff on you um but the only american in the movie is the hero Mm -hmm. of the film right he's the only american and he is it's kind of a it's like the interesting thing about that movie too is it's made during world war ii uh which I think is fascinating mm-hmm. and maybe a topic for a, a different day, you know, how it portrays it during that war, uh, you know, as opposed to in hindsight and how different it portrays it. Um, but yeah, definitely an interesting topic for sure. And I don't want to step too much, you know, our top five, we do have a special guest today. Uh, we're yeah. going to be joined by one of my dear friends, Billy yeah, Ray really Mitchell uh, from the sons of Saturday podcast uh for our top fives and we go in deep people mm-hmm. uh, on our top fives and billy's got a lot of uh interesting things to say uh you know i'm i'm very excited for you guys all to listen to that uh and so you know do you have any final thoughts on kind of the history of war movies and kind of how we've gotten to where we are before we jump into that top five um you know not, not really and, and like you said i don't want to step on it too much really excited about this this top five and having billy on um the last thing that i'll say is just there are a lot of these movies that I really do like. And one of the things that I do when I watch uh, war movies is I do watch them as a movie. And I think that's reflected in my list is I like the ones that look and feel like a movie and aren't too trying to be too encyclopedic about telling their story and really giving you the like, here's this guy. He's a hero. Here's this guy. He's a hero. 
here's this guy he's a hero you know they're really just they're showing it's like a cool movie almost like a cool action movie yeah um you know without getting too detailed and like this is how you should feel about this specific person yeah so i go the opposite way the movies mm-hmm. that i love I like not not exactly the opposite way. The opposite way, like in the same lane, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, whereas you, you know, you kind of like to view them as these like action movies. I like war movies that don't have a ton of action that mm-hmm. are more about like the interpersonal relationships between the people that are involved in these conflicts that really aren't about the war at all, but take place in the setting of the war. If so, that makes sense. Yes, it does. And I will say just to clarify my point and it's reflected in my list again, but I really enjoy that too. And I, I guess I meant like watch them as an action movie is like, yeah, any other you know a movie like armageddon you know yeah, is an right. action movie so with just kind of taking the war as part of the action in the movie but i i'm completely with you i love the stories that really get into the interpersonal relationships and like you know the hardship that comes on people who are put in these uh you know horrible situations all right couldn't have said it better myself evan i think it's time let's yes. bring on billy it is time for our top five top five all right now it's time for top five Today, we have a special guest, host of the Sons of Saturday podcast, Billy Ray Mitchell. How the hell are you? I'm honored to be joined here. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of The Ringer, and I love the rewatchables, and I've always wanted to start a movie podcast. So I'm glad that you did it. I've listened to the first two episodes. I'm fired up that you're doing it uh, and fired up to uh, be a part of one of the first episodes, but uh, really, really excited to be here. I appreciate you all bringing me on. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, real quick before we dive into our top fives, uh, why don't you give a little plug uh, for your podcast? Sons of Saturday. Uh, right now, if there are any Virginia Tech fans or Virginia Tech graduates listening, I do do a podcast on that. We're expanding to other schools. NC State is next. So little little breaking news for you there. Uh, but if you want my opinions, uh, my name on Twitter is GoodBillHunting, Billy underscore Schmerta. You can follow me there, and I give opinions basically about everything. So uh, looking forward to a groovy little podcast. If you like what you hear, throw me a follow. Wonderful, wonderful. And last thing. It's a big part of of what we do here at Flicking and Screaming. Just give us a quick rundown of kind of your relationship with movies. Like, why do you why do you love movies? Um, I guess the biggest relationship, the reason I'm most excited about this is uh, growing up, I would always sleep over at my grandfather's house and we would always watch uh, older black and white or early 1960, 70 and 80 uh, war movies. And we'd watch like three a night till two in the morning and uh, that kind of you know, shaped my relationship with my grandfather and um, just, in, I just enjoy it. I love uh, following different actors. I love getting two or three hours Netflix and, you know, the phone has kind of ruined that. I always find myself, you know, if I'm like, guys, we got to watch this movie. I'm always find myself policing everybody like you got to stop being on your phone, watch the damn movie. Um, but uh, I mean, the town, ta- I-, I love Boston movies too. Yes. The town, yes. obviously Goodwill hunting. The town is, town is one of my top fives, I think. Uh, but not to ramble. I mean, that's my relationship with movies is just, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of times you take, you take yourself away from everything going on because you have so many distractors, but to sit on the couch and, and invest yourself in something uh, with no distractions is a good uh, breath of fresh air. Oh, I love it. I love to hear it. Sounds about right. Listeners will know. <laughs> Evan, right Evan and I are both huge the town fans uh actually earlier this Same week movie. i sent him that that clip when renner shoots the guy's knees out and goes oh there goes college soccer <laughs> no more college soccer that's yeah. <laughs> the best it's the best okay back to the topic of today's episode war movies uh this one was a little bit different for us than things we've done uh you know 
I understand, Billy, it's one of your favorite genres. Evan, maybe not not quite your favorite uh, thing to watch. Was a little bit uh, laboring to have to and heavy to have to watch all these types of movies for you, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired out. I I normally can do a war movie a month, you know, maybe a couple. Um, but I've watched a, a lot here over the last week, and uh, I mean, I like some of these movies, but I'm also I'm excited to not watch some war movies for a bit too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So first, as always, let's get into our honorable mentions. Evan, you want to kick us off with a couple of yours? Sure. So I have uh, I was somehow able to keep myself um, down to only two this time. Wow. So my two honorable mentions that would be right at six, seven for me um, are the deer hunter and full metal jacket. Nice. OK. All right. Billy, what do you got for honorables? I wish I could keep it to two. Um, I got Devil's Brigade Bridge on River Kwai where the Eagles dare, which is a, an underrated Christmas movie. If you haven't seen it with Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. Dirty Dozen, Run Silent, Run Deep, Midway, Torah, 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 and Hurt Locker. Oh, lovely. Very a lot of mentions. Nice. Lovely. Uh, honorable, honorable, uh, honorable uh, treasure chest there. Okay. Yeah. Love the I, Midway show. I have a, a treasure oh. chest as well. So honorables for me are Saving Private Ryan, Enemy at the Gates, 1917. Oh, love that. Letters from Iwo Jima, Pearl Harbor, Zero Dark Thirty, Band of Brothers, Atonement, and Dunkirk. And I want to touch on the fact that I know Band of Brothers technically isn't a movie, but it's I think it's one of the greatest war epics ever made. And if you mm -hmm. sit down and watch it as a 10-hour long movie, then, you know, good on you. Pearl Harbor, huh? I, I... You That's know, aggressive. historical accuracy kills me. That's dog. aggressive. Yeah, but I'm, a, I'm an Affleck guy. Come on, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I oh, I'm an Affleck guy too. I love Ben. Affleck. Broken the broke the broken nose scene needs to be shot to the moon. <laughs> All right, that's like I a like that was definitely that, that was on on the fringe. That was like <laughs> definitely on the fringy fringe. And honorable like, mention to the honorable mentions. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna sneak this in, and nobody's <laughs> gonna make a comment. I was dead wrong. I was so wrong. All right, it's time. Evan, hit me with your number five. So my number five is a movie that came out in 2014 uh, called Fury. It's written and directed by David Ayer. Um, it stars Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, Michael Pena, John Bernthal, Jason Isaacs. I think we're going to get into this a lot with these movies. Uh, you can't even name off everyone who's in them. So many of them are, um, are really wide-ranging ca uh, casts. Um, but it made $211 million worldwide. It was very um, well-received at the time, both critically and uh, just by, by movie goers and movie fans. And just a quick synopsis, it's um, really at the tail end of the European part of World War II. It's set in 1945, and it's essentially just following a tank crew, um, some veterans of war, some um, relatively new to uh, to world war ii um and one of the things that i really love about the movie is it, it really gets into the dynamics of the different um characters that you meet during war and i say characters because it it is a movie um but there's just a lot of interplay with you know knowing what the job entails in war and i think that's a big part of of what bothers me about some war movies is is that it becomes like um killing is just the accepted job mm -hmm. and in this movie there's a lot of interplay with different characters deciding like what what am i actually supposed to do here am i just keeping the guy alive next to me am i trying to kill as many people as possible 
Um, and then another thing that I love, it, it's very gray, but it's a very beautiful movie. The cinematography is awesome. And uh, I also just love tanks. And there's not many movies that feature um, or are centered around tanks. So I love the idea of like that close quarters um, kind of vicious battle style. Yeah. And uh, Brad Pitt's haircut in this. But the is... haircut from <laughs> Brad Pitt's hair in this is insanity. Incredible. Yeah. He's he's getting touched up like every other day out there on the battlefield, too. Yeah, I. Uh, I really I do like this movie, uh, you know, spoiler alert, this won't feature on my top five. Uh, but I, I do enjoy watching this movie. I haven't seen it in a while, and that's definitely one I'll have to revisit. Billy, you, you seen this movie? Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't seen it. But Evan, I, on the uh, subject of just kind of, um, you know, what am I in war for? I'm not sure if you've seen We Were Soldiers with yeah. uh, Will Mel with Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. That's another phenomenal movie. On that note, um, just kind of to the point of, you know, that entire war you're dropping in not an objective based area and right. the only job is kill as many people as you can. Right. And then you leave and they take the spot back. Right. Um, exactly. And it's just kind of interesting to see that that's how it operated, but uh, I'll definitely add that to my list. Uh, I think that's a common mistake. We can overlook the haircut. You look at, uh, I watched gladiator the other day and the main character, it's like, this guy's getting buzz cuts and uh, in the in the draws of uh, of ancient yeah. Rome. I don't I don't buy it. He's a, he's like a slave through half the movie. And he's like getting fresh faith mm -hmm. every other week. <laughs> yeah. Come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, but uh, All right. He looks gorgeous on screen. So so I'll take it. But that's, <laughs> he, that's he always he always does. All right. Billy, hit me with your number five. Sure. Um, it was tough to separate these one through five. They're not in order. Um, but I'll, I'll kick this off with Kelly's heroes from 1970. Uh, Kelly's heroes was, uh, directed by Brian G Hutton starring Clint Eastwood, Terry Savalas, rest in peace, Donald, Donald Sutherland mm. and Don Rickles. Mm. It's about a group of world war II American soldiers who basically they get a week off and they all decide to go AWOL because they, um, found out through a POW that there was this bank being held by a, uh, a tiger tank unit, um, and it had over $2.4 million in it. And they figured we're in this war, um, you know, risking our lives. And here's one time for us to do something for ourselves. And it's about them taking that trip and um, trying to break into that, uh, break into that bank and get there. Uh, it's, it was a favorite of mine growing up. It's an intriguing, intriguing storyline. It's, it's kind of, uh, lighthearted, a lot of laughs, a uh, really lovable group of characters. And the best one is Donald Sutherland. His name's Oddball in the movie. And he's uh, essentially the only way to describe him is if you took a hippie, like a pot smoking <laughs> hippie from the 70s, and you gave him a tank. And uh, his leader, <laughs> his, his like sergeant got decapitated and he's in charge of three Shermans, but he hasn't reported his, uh, his captain as hurt. So they basically have nothing to do. And he's, uh, <laughs> and he's just this goofball um but uh it's it's a really uh it's a really fun watch uh again back in 1970 and a fun fact i didn't know anyone else knew this movie but patrick buckley brought it up in a, uh in a conversation when he was in atlanta and i was like oh my gosh goodness so um i would definitely check out kelly's heroes it's a ton of fun definitely i haven't you know so i haven't seen that probably since i was like eight years old same thing i'm surprised you've even seen at my it. grandpa's yeah. at my grandpa's house it's a grandpa movie mm -hmm. for sure uh, it is it is it Evan. looks of its time like I, I i've only seen this movie in like bits and pieces on cable um i, I'm uh -huh. trying to remember what it was on uh, maybe hbo or something Probably tcm yeah. yeah okay hbo um 
but it definitely looks and i just looked it up and i think you said it's from 1970 but i definitely remember it looking like uh, it looks like a late 60s movie really but it For sure. has that distinct feel the intro uh similar to the town the intro credit scene is clint eastwood way behind enemy lines in like a thunderstorm like in like in a column of uh of panzers and uh the lightning goes off and then they're like, oh, my gosh, that's an American Jeep. And then it comes in with the uh, Mike Green congregation song and they're doing the credits. It's a fantastic first like eight minutes of the movie. Um, so I suggest if you're going to check anything out, check out the beginning credits to Kelly's Heroes. Oh, lovely. All right. Love it. Uh, my number five is Apocalypse Now. Uh, mm-hmm. 1979, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, Dennis Hopper. Uh, it is based off of an old novel in, from 1899 by Joseph Conrad called Heart of Darkness. Uh, it's The movie now is set during the Vietnam War and an American officer, uh, Colonel Kurtz, who's gone mad and is now basically residing in the jungle amongst a group of native villagers that he has militarized. And Captain Willard, played by Martin Sheen, is tasked with journeying up the river and assassinating him. Uh, it is is essentially the story of, of, you know, as you go deeper, as he goes deeper down the river, he starts to go deeper and deeper into his own madness. Um, and it's an incredible, incredible movie. It's obviously one of the most like storied movies ever made. Francis Ford Coppola, um, you know, famously budgeted it himself and almost lost all the money that he made off of the Godfather trying to get this movie done. Uh, I think they were in the Philippines for like three years. Uh, it won two Academy Awards and it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. One of, like, if you watch this movie, watch it and then immediately go watch Hearts of Darkness, which is the documentary about the making of this movie. And it'll in, like 100% increase your enjoyment of this movie. It's an incredible movie on its own. You know, obviously a lot of, you know, really, really, really famous scenes. Uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, you know, Flight of the Valkyries <laughs> with the helicopters coming in. Uh it's an incredibly, you know, important movie, uh, but it's one that I just really, really enjoy. And I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Uh, I actually got a chance to read the novel that it was based off of. It's a really quick read. And essentially, it's the same type of story, but based in the Congo. And the characters are British military back in like the late 1800s in like, uh, you know, the British colonization of Africa. So that's an interesting read as well. So just the myth and the lore around this movie, um, as well as just the movie itself, uh, is why it cracks my top five. So this is actually my number two. Um, and I definitely couldn't have given a better description than that. Uh, just wanted to point out a couple of things. One thing that I love about this movie, and you kind of mentioned it, Jed, um, but it definitely centers around like one man's descent into madness. Um, and it, it shows like the pure horror of war and especially like Mm. the Vietnam war in a really visceral way. And it really shows like the evil on both sides sort of idea. There's no like heroes in this movie. And it's very much um, centered around the idea that war itself is so inherently evil that there are lots of instances where you can't just say like, this side is good. This side is bad. This guy is good. This guy is bad or objectives are good and bad. It's, Definitely very um, blurred. And I love, you know, when he he finally reaches uh, Colonel Kurtz's um, lair, who's played by uh, Marlon Brando. There's like that photojournalist there who is just full on indoctrinated. He's just all about (laughs) the teachings of Kurtz um, (laughs) and and the, the thoughts that he has about war and life and everything. And it's just like a good 
representation of just like how um how much people can get swept into it and and how much it can i mean just take over and ruin their lives and i just have to mention the ride of the valkyrie scene is one of my top five scenes of all time and, yeah. and robert duvall um i love robert duvall and and robert duvall in this movie is just on a heater he spends like six seven minutes on screen and it's just going bonkers the entire time so i i can flip that on on youtube anytime and and just have a great time along with just watching the whole movie definitely and you know at risk of at risk of running way over time here this is a movie that we could talk about for ages and ages because there is so much to talk about um you know with the history including marlon brando basically being fat and not wanting to be on camera so he's shot entirely in the shadows Mm -hmm. and you know as you get the one last thing i want to say before we move on uh to number four is what I love is the mirroring of his madness as they go further and further down the river becomes like everything becomes almost like a hallucination. Like you're not quite Mm -hmm. sure if all the things that are happening are like actually happening or if like it's just this person losing his mind. Uh, I think it's fantastic. So it is legitimately on LSD for yes. (laughs) Yes. And like I said, I don't want to step on. We probably will end up doing a whole podcast about this movie just because it's such a incredibly interesting uh movie and film mm-hmm. history uh but for sake of time let's just move on to number four evan okay. hit me with your number four my number four is from 1986 it's called platoon it's mm-hmm. uh written and directed by oliver stone um loosely based on his own experiences in vietnam as an infantry infantryman uh it stars tom Berenger, willem dafoe charlie sheen forrest whitaker johnny depp among among others um and you know, this is another one. It's it's a very harsh movie, and it's actually uh, I know we talked a little bit about it in the propaganda portion of this podcast, um, but it's kind of a counter to Green Beret, which is uh, as we mentioned John Wayne's uh, you know glorification of the Vietnam War and America's efforts there. Um, and Oliver Stone really felt like it was not representative of what it was actually like to be there in Vietnam. And this movie is just gnarly all the way through it's it's about the conflicting uh you know mindsets of doing our quote-unquote job here versus just inflicting as much damage and harm as possible on anyone that they encounter um you know really highlighted by Berenger and defoe's um uh conflicting natures mm-hmm. um and there's just so many booby traps and ambushes and it's just crazy yeah i love this movie i kind of view this as like a spiritual successor to apocalypse now in a way it, mm-hmm. it gives me the same vibe like i think that's a great i mean it's not it's not an easy double feature to sit through but if you're looking for two movies that kind of really share a, a vibe yeah uh, platoon and apocalypse now uh, i can really wrap my head around and you get a lot of sh- you can action. you can add um I, I do love green beret that's that's a, that's a good one too you can add casualties of war also mm-hmm. to the list of uh if you want to a, a triple feature yeah, if you just but, want to fuck up uh, that's another there you go <laughs> yeah i was about to say if, if you want if you want like a you know real look at, at at war itself i mean that's that's another uh good film but again i don't know i wouldn't consider it a rewatchable it's probably something you watch once and you're like well that was an experience yeah. and, and then put it back put it back in the blockbuster envelope oh, yeah exactly like i gotta live with myself now all right mm-hmm. that was evan's number four billy hit me with yours I'm going to go with one of my favorite individual uh, performances of all time. I'm going to go with Patton from 1970 mm, yes. uh, by Franklin J. Schaff, uh, Schaffner. 
uh, and George C. Scott, who was unbelievable in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 1970s America American epic biography war film about General George S. Patton. Patton, uh, one of my favorite hero- heroes from World War II. Uh, the score by Jerry Goldsmith is is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and uh, it just details his life. Uh, and even one of the most famous run-ins he had where he met uh, with a soldier who was, um, in his opinion, being a coward, uh, wasn't able to handle being on the front lines. And he ended up slapping him, which actually ended up in him having some serious repercussions, uh, dealt with him and his frustrations with Montgomery and not moving fast enough. And uh, a fun fact here for you, uh, Rod Steger actually had the role of Patton and turned it down. Mm. Said it was the worst decision of his career. Uh, so a little fun, fun, fun sprinkle. For there all for you, you Rod Steger that. fans out there. <laughs> yeah, for all the Rod Steger. Rod Steger's on my list a little bit. So a little uh, oh, oh, uh, foreshadowing. Little, little teaser. Love it. Foreshadowing. Um, but uh, Patton's just a great film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like Patton. I think it's the ultimate uh, cable cable war movie. Uh, I've, I've. If that's on, I'm I'm finishing it. Um, one of my dad's favorites sure. as well. Evan, any thoughts on this movie? I'm I'm just a fan of this movie. I I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Billy, I think nailed it. Um, but it's just a lot of fun. And, and some of these movies that are really, um, you know, intense learners. I guess you know they're almost like educational. Can can drag a little bit. And Patton has never felt that way to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that was very well said. All right. Uh, on to my number four. A little 2008 movie, just a little independent small film called The Hurt Locker, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie, Ray Fiennes, and David Morse. Uh, following the death of their well-respected staff sergeant, uh, Sergeant J.T. Stanborn and Special and Owen Elbridge find their explosive ordnance disposal unit saddled with a very different team leader, Staff Sergeant William James and who is an inadvertent risk taker who seems to thrive on war, but there's no denying his gift for defusing bombs. Normally I don't read like the taglines, but I did really, really love that one. Like there's no denying his gift for defusing bombs is basically just the whole movie. Um, It made almost 50 million on a budget of 15 million. So semi-successful as far as budget goes, but it was nominated for nine Oscars and it won six. And the reason this one makes my list is because it's the first time I really remember watching a movie, um, especially a war movie, and being like truly shook like by the horrors of war and kind of understanding, uh, you know, how like the how soldiers can get messed up, you know, being overseas at war and, and how even though it is so messed up and, you know, and they deal with uh, post-traumatic stress that all they want to do is be back in the fight. Um, you know, it's one of the more heartbreaking endings, uh, I think in one of these movies and where he tries to go home and, and, you know, he's, you know, he's at the grocery store with his child and his, and his wife, and he's just getting frustrated. And then at the end, he steps off of that plane and he's back in, in Iraq and, and he's finally got a smile on his face and he just is ready to go defuse some more bombs and, and put his life on the line. Um, there's a lot of under, you know, other smaller stories, you know, throughout that kind of show, uh, his more you know human side but overall i just think this is a really really well done movie it's definitely my favorite uh movie about uh, like the iraq and afghanistan wars uh i think that it's the best of the the crop that has come out of those yeah i 
that was um that was the Bigelow James Cameron Oscar Best Director race, right? Yes, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think you said it yourself. I will admit, I, I'm not a big Hurt Locker fan, and I couldn't exactly tell you uh, why, but I love your description. This was my. Glad I love this movie so much that this was my gamer tag on Xbox Live when I was playing Modern <laughs> Warfare Two. My gamer tag was the Hurt Locker thirty three because all I did was plant and defuse bombs. That's all I did. <laughs> Horrible kill to death ratio. Someone's got to do it. Someone yeah. has to do it. And it was me. Billy, any thoughts on this movie? Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to, because uh, just in, in case it's on your list, but uh, American Sniper is another good one from that setting. Um, Black Hawk Down is another good one. Uh, but that that is a, that's a fantastic movie. Um, and again, that last scene where the, uh, where the, um, where the IED is strapped to the, to the citizen in the middle of the road yeah. and the, and the timing sticking down and there's nothing you can do. Uh, I, I got a shot. Jeremy Renner is just fantastic. I think he's really, uh, I th- I really feel like he's an underrated actor. Um, he, ha- he definitely has a specific role to play. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he knocks it out of the park in every, in just about every movie he's, he's in. My only beef with this movie is after that scene, um, you know, when the citizen does explode that he doesn't just say, "Uh Oh, there goes college soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Jer- that would be a Jeremy Renner deleted scene episode. That would actually be incredible. <laughs> like that, I'm gonna start that theory that the reason that Jem is so messed up in the town is because he he's the guy from uh from the Hurt Locker from the Hurt that, Locker. like came back. So there you go. I heard I heard a uh, a funny take that Jem from the Hurt Locker was actually Goodwill Hunting, and he came back and his life fell apart. He never got the girl back, yeah. and he was all messed up. Oh oh, Jem um, from oh yes, I like that. Take. Yeah, I like well, that. They take. You sure like that? Broke up. Yeah, they for sure broke up after like a month. So he had plenty of time after after. I don't know, man. If I'm, if I'm driving across the country in a hoopty like that, it better work out. Tell a girl straight to her face, "I don't love you." I don't know about that. I don't know how you're recovering from that one. You you're buying a lot of Starbucks, a lot of. oh all right number three evan hit me with your third favorite war movie of all time yeah so at number three um and and i know earlier i mentioned uh you know kind of disliking some of the propaganda that can come out of these movies um but billy just mentioned my number three is black hawk down yeah directed by ridley scott it's from 2001 it's based on a book by mark bowden um it stars kind of everyone uh just to name a few josh hartnett ewan mcgregor eric bana tom sizemore tom hardy william fickner it's i believe tom hardy's first uh role and i I, he's my favorite actor so he he's kind of the draw that i always use to get back to this movie um just a quick synopsis it's uh based in 1993 during the somalian civil war and a warlord named muhammad ideed um essentially declared war on the un peacekeepers that were in somalia at the time trying to deliver there was an incredible famine going on um or incredibly devastating famine going on um and so they were bringing food and and he declared war and was basically uh capturing all this food and not letting it get to um the civilians in the area so the u.s sent in special units to capture uh adid and this is about this whole plan that they had to go into um uh uh, his stronghold and essentially take him out, take he and his um, cabinet uh, uh, hostage and captive. Um, Hans Zimmer does the score. And I, I will say I watched this movie uh, purely for the like action movie aesthetic that it has. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't really read too much into the story that it's telling. And I know there's some, 
controversy about how it portrays, you know, just the um, uh, the Somalian civil conflict um, and how it doesn't really go into it too much. But from an action movie perspective, it's just completely heart pounding, uh, unbelievable collection of actors we've talked about on this podcast before loving that. And um, and it's kind of about a failed mission, which I, I kind of appreciate. It, it's definitely not a big uh, win. It, it definitely doesn't go to plan, but it's just it's just a wild ride. Oh, love it. Couldn't have said any better myself. I don't think there's much else to say. Billy, hit me. One thing. Oh, go ahead. One ad, one that I have. So you said it was directed by Ripley Scott, right? Uh, Ridley, yes. Ridley Scott. Uh, I, the one thing that I always thought of when I rewatched that movie is I really think it set the table for Michael Bay. When you watch it and the close-ups yep. and the color palette yep. that he utilizes and the, some of the shots that he does, yep. I was really, I was really, uh, I, I, that's just kind of one of the parallels that I have uh, from that movie yeah, is that it looks like Michael Bay would have filmed. Hundred percent slow motion American flag swinging in the middle of the camera mm-hmm. for no fucking reason. Like it's very yeah. Michael Bayish in that. The, the jog, the jog back at the exactly. end. I mean, there are a lot of yeah. scenes that are that are very, uh, very Michael exactly. Bay like. Yeah, I'm and the emotions during that that jog at the end are this is the same way I feel when Bumblebee is shot out of the sky in <laughs> Transformers. Hundred percent. So, that's a good. That's it. That's. That's a good one. I like I like that ad. Yes. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Great Escape, 1963, yeah. still in the 60s. Yeah. Um, directed by John Sturges, 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 whatever. Sorry if I'm butchering it. Uh, Steve McQueen, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. James Garner, Richard Attenborough, the Jurassic Park guy, Charles Bronson, and James Coburn. Uh, it's based on Paul Brickhill's book of the same name. Uh, it's a firsthand account of the mass escape by British Commonwealth prisoners of war in the G- German POW camp called Stalag Luft Three. Mm. Uh, it's an incredible film for this reason. Um, a lot of movies back then didn't do it um, because, and I appreciated these, but a lot of them were very star-spangled, awesome. You know, uh, you know, just action. Where this movie spends two hours of the two hours and 45 minutes of character development dives into the real situation and the mental kind of situation everybody is in being stuck in, uh, in that fence and, you know, kind of the boredom and the stress uh, and you become enamored with the characters and their personalities and uh, kind of the plan that they're concocting and the failed tr- attempts at the plan. Um, and one of the best scenes ever uh, features Steve McQueen in a high speed chase on a motorcycle, which is an un- unbelievable scene uh, they had a, uh, for the longest time, it was a rumor that he was the one that jumped over the barbed wire. It was actually the only time that he used a stunt double. The movie was, there's this incredible jump where he, uh, leaps over, uh, this large barbed wire, um, uh, infrastructure, but really, really good movie. Uh, it's a long movie, but, uh, I think it was very much so ahead of its time. I love that pick. I I'm a huge fan of that movie. That would, that would definitely mm-hmm. be right on the edge of my, uh, honorable mentions list. I agree. It's a great movie. Yes. All right. Jeff, you got, what are we, your number three? My number three really should be my number one. Uh, it's mm. Casablanca, 1943. Ooh. Michael Curtis, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Berman, Paul Henry, uh, Rick Blaine, who owns a nightclub in Casablanca, discovers his old flame. Ilsla, uh, played by Ingrid Berman, uh, is in town with her husband, who's a famed uh, rebel and uh, escapee of a concentration camp. But with the Germans on his tail, uh, Isla knows that Rick is the only one that can help them get out of the country. This is the best movie of all time. 
It's not my favorite <laughs> not movie of all time, but it's mm-hmm. the best movie of all time. And I'm going to say it. The music by Max Steiner. He's probably one of the most famous composers uh, that's ever worked uh, in Hollywood. He's basically on every old Hollywood movie. Um, he, it's a beautiful use of diegetic music. Uh, for those that don't know, diegetic music is when the music source is actually coming from like something that exists in the universe that's on screen. So this movie, obviously, a lot of it takes place in a nightclub. And so there's a lot of piano and and like the nightclub band playing that music. And sometimes that music will transition into non-diegetic music, meaning like it's off screen. The characters can't hear it. But the way they use, it uses music is incredible. It won three Oscars. Um, it's so beautiful uh, in moving. I watched I rewatched it last night for the first time in probably a year uh, and was in tears. It is it's so, so, so good. And there's really nothing to be said that hasn't already been said about it. Um, it's kind of a cliche pick, but there's a reason that cliches exist. It's because it's the best movie of all time. So the best movie of all the gin time. joints in all the towns in the, all the world. She walks in. Yes, mind. dude. There's so many good lines like like that line. Just here's looking at you, kid, a million times. I, you know, I think this is, you know, Louie, I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Just mm-hmm. I love I said in the first episode of this podcast, I love movies where all of the like plot exposition comes through dialogue. So that's what this movie is, is like until the very end, there's really no action, but there's so much suspense. And like you just feel this tightness in your chest, kind of wondering what's going to happen. You know, all these people that are, you know, against each other are are all in this like same like dynamic. I also love, you know, the use of the of Rick's nightclub as, uh, you know, as the main focal point of the movie where kind of everything is going on. (sighs) Incredible performance by Humphrey Bogart. I'm firmly in the camp that you couldn't remake this movie because there's nobody that could do the Humphrey Bogart part and Ingrid Berman just wow I mean she is so beautiful in this movie uh and I I just love this movie a lot I love the best movie of all time coming in at number three on your genre list okay (laughs) but that's what I'm saying it's like it's not just because it's the best doesn't mean it's my favorite but it's the best movie of all time Okay. It's not your typical. It's not your typical war movie. Uh, and again, I think Humphrey Bogart does a great job. Where you make a great point. If anybody else were to try to do it, they'd overact. And with Humphrey Bogart, he's so expressive, but it never comes off as overacting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a huge credit to him and his talent. It's a subtle movie in a time where movies weren't that subtle. Like where performances yes. were like outlandish because it's obviously like transitioning from theater acting into into mm-hmm. understanding how to act on the screen, uh, and everybody in this movie is just perfect. So, again, we can't say anything that hasn't already been said about it. So, Evan, just give me your number two. Like I said, Casablanca should have been my number one. So my number two is Apocalypse Now, and we already talked about that. We don't need to. Uh, beat it in the into the ground but um it was my number one for a long time until uh very recently so uh, mm. i will pass it off to billy for his number two. Oh, i think i teaser know alert. Means. teaser alert um all right so these next two really set uh set the table for movies in the future and again we're we're really ahead of its time i'm gonna go with uh the longest day mm-hmm. from 1962 first billy you got um, i was, just gotta say before you dive in you've got a great list going I, I appreciate you have a you have I, an enviable list. 
I, I didn't want to go with uh, something that, because I can watch Black Hawk Down a thousand times. I can watch Saving Private Ryan a thousand times. They're great movies, but just some of these are so far ahead of their time. And just the time in my life where I watched them uh, really ingrained it into my head. Um, but it had four directors. Um, Ken, An- Anakin, Daryl F. Zanuck, Bernard Wiki, Andrew Martin, who was the English director, and Jer- uh, Jared Oswald. Starring, deep breath, John Wayne, Richard Burton, Robert Mitchum, Sean Connery, Henry Fonda, and ding, 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 Rod Steger was in this one. Rod Steger um, stands, stand up. What was unbelievable about this, uh, by the way, it's about the events leading up to and during the D-Day invasion. Uh, it was extremely historically accurate, which was fantastic. Uh, and they brought in service members and historians to assist in the filming. They filmed on scene for a bunch of the different uh, scenes in the movie, including Point du Hoc, a lot of areas in France. And the star power was unbelievable, but the ability to tie together the different angles of D-Day, whether it was the French resistance, the paratroopers, the locals, Americans, Canadians, British, even the German side. I mean, the scene where the Ger- where um, you know the the person defending the seawall he he br- brings his binoculars up and a real person had that view of thousands of ships on the horizon in the British Channel. Um, that was just absolutely unbelievable. And some of the scenes, I mean, the scene where uh, I believe. Uh, it was the British uh, or the Canadian army was uh, going to take the bridge that the paratroopers have been holding forever. And they did this sky shot where when there are 400, 500 people, this is back forever ago um, with the extras and, and some fun facts here. It had a $10 million budget, which was the most for a black and white movie until can either of you guess what year did this come out? This came out in 1962. Highest budget for a black and white movie. Uh, until Psycho? I don't even have a guess. Shit. Schindler's List. Oh, of course. Oh, Till Schindler. Idiots. Oh, my God. We were thinking. We were thinking too far back. I didn't. I didn't read. I didn't read the answer on uh, the trivia until I was. Of course, it's Schindler's yeah, List. Yeah, of course. Um, and then the uh, and when they were filming, the extras were too afraid to jump in the water during the D-Day scene until Robert Mitchum scoffed and told everybody they were, you know, being essentially being soft and jumped in the water before the scene, changed his clothes and then jumped back in the water. <laughs> um, but it's a it's it's a really good movie. It, it 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 I think for as early as it came out, had unbelievable star power um, and a great uh, a great score as well. So the longest day. Yeah, that's one I haven't. Uh... I haven't seen probably in a long time. Yeah, I think I think that's one I definitely need to revisit. That cast is insane. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Gotta say, I love Billy sitting down and being like, if this war movie is under two hours and 45 minutes, get out of my face. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) I'm not watching it. I don't need it. I'm only sitting down to watch movies that are as long as the war was itself. (laughs) I don't have to pee three times this movie get the fuck out of here <laughs> get it get it out of here if i don't have to get three three buckets of popcorn yeah. gonna get it out oh, of here i love it all right uh my number two is probably gonna be the most different movie we talk about uh on this list uh it is the wind that shakes the barley uh 2007 Ooh. directed by ken loach starring killian murphy patrick uh dehaney Liam cunningham orla fitzgerald uh it's set during the irish war of independence during the early 1920s Damien, played by Killian Murphy, is an Irish medical student who's about to leave Ireland to complete his training in London. But before doing so, witnesses uh, atrocious brutalities carried out by the Black and Tans, which is the British military, which leads him and his brother to join the IRA. 
Uh, and then soon after a peace treaty is signed, the, uh, the brothers are pitted against each other, uh, you know, on different sides of the war. Uh, quick facts. This movie won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Uh, it's all Irish actors and Irish directors. So it's a deeply personal story to everybody that's in this uh, film. And it's just an absolutely stunning Killian Murphy performance. I love him. He's one of my favorite actors. And it's a movie that not that many people in America uh, have seen or really would think about seeing just because of the subject matter. It's not really near and dear, uh, you know, to our hearts, but it's probably the most like it's one of the more heartbreaking movies. Um, And when you talk to, you know, Irish people, uh, you know, as we will later this week when we actually cover this movie and its own episode. Uh, just what it means, what it means to them and, and kind of how it how historically accurate it is and how it portrays, um, you know, the troubles, which is what they call it, um, you know, throughout that time. I don't I wish that I had better words to describe it. And hopefully I will for, you know, for the next uh, podcast that we do on it. But it's just a beautiful movie that is so heartbreaking and 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 so moving, especially for something that really has no business hitting close to home for me. Uh, but I, I am always so deeply moved by it. Never seen it, but I'm, it's on my list now. Yeah. I neither. I'm checking yeah, it out and tonight. I think, honestly, I think the fact that it's it's an all-Irish, mostly Irish cast, and and um, obviously Ken Loach is a famous Irish director, um, really is what like puts it over the top because it's it just got that, they went to the, you know, the nth degree to try to make this, uh, you know, as accurate as possible. Also, uh, you know, Killian Murphy, phenomenal. But uh, Liam Cunningham, great performance uh, from Game of Thrones fame now, you know, kind of a little bit less known before Mm -hmm. then, but uh, a lot of people would recognize him now. So that's my number two. It's time for our number one favorite war movies of all time. Evan, don't break my heart. So we're going to stick with Killian Murphy as a theme. My number one war movie, and it's climbing up my list very fast on overall uh just my favorite movies my number one is dunkirk yes i love this movie wow i that is so love this movie Ah. so much it is written and directed by our great friend christopher nolan our Uh, great friend friend yeah friend another friend of the pod there Um, wow it made 526 million dollars this movie was huge when it came out uh it stars and I put stars in quotes because um, no one says a whole lot in this movie, but Tom Hardy, Fionn Whitehead, Kenneth Branagh, Mark Rylance, Harry Styles, hilarious, uh, and Killian Murphy. Um, it was good. It was good, too. Incredible in it. It's so bizarre. You know, it's we talk about these movies. It's like, I don't know if everyone was looking that good back in the day in war, but I, I love to believe that they were. Um, <laughs> it has a Hans Zimmer score that's just absolutely unbelievable and the fact that it didn't win the oscar just blows my mind um the the ticking clock nature of the score uh mixed with just the the vibrant sounds that come in is um it's hard to like even think about this movie without hearing it in my head um but it's about british and french uh, allied troops trapped on the beaches in dunkirk in france um and essentially being closed in on by the german army and it, they are about 29 miles from uh, from England's shores, but they have no way to get there because uh, every ship that keeps coming in to pick them up keeps getting bombed. Um, and ultimately, British common folk have to come in their pleasure yachts and uh, little little boats uh, across those 29 miles 
um, and pick up all the troops. There were there were close to 400,000 troops on the beaches. And this movie is both incredibly gorgeous. It's almost like a, an episode of Planet Earth or something, yeah. uh, while also being daunting and and really showing both the horrors of war as it can relate to the expanse mm -hmm. uh, when it shows the beaches and the skies and the ocean. Um as well as the claustrophobia, you know, there, there are a lot of people mm -hmm. being trapped in, in uh, boats that are sinking, um, getting uh, just the fact that you're sitting in these little cockpits that are barely big enough for a human. Um, and uh, it's about a huge and, and this is the theme for me with these movies, but it's about a major, major loss like it, you know, the English people view this now as a win. And, and I don't blame them. They got, you know, their guys out of there. That was the yeah. win for them. But ultimately, this was. A loss as it pertains to military strategy um and uh you know i just i i love this movie so much i watched it again last night it it brings me to tears every time and i have written down here tom hardy with like five exclamation points the yeah. dude says like you know 10 words in the whole movie and i could have given him the oscar myself because yeah. the, what he does with the top of his face and his eyes and and uh emotion is just unbelievable this movie has one of the best shots of like recent memory too. uh the bombing scene on the beach yeah when he's just it, laying with it, his head over his uh, over or his hands over his head and then mm -hmm. you see in succession and the sand like falls off. i mean that's like i i still wonder like how the hell he like no one was able to accomplish that but yeah this is a this is an awesome movie it was in my honorable mentions damn near cracked the top five but uh yeah just not quite it is probably num like it's probably six it's so good and doing what christopher nolan does best which is messing with time as well oh, which mm -hmm. is a really weird expertly yeah which is an interesting aspect to this movie it's like mm -hmm. chris nolan can't make a movie without being like oh yeah but what if time was backwards and you know and shit <laughs> like that and Do you want to see the same scene from seven different perspectives <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it it's a, it's a good one. I I uh, I, I want to say on the win loss thing. Um, that's I, that's a great point. I never really look at movies like that, but from a like historical standpoint, and just a country coming together to to essentially save their own. Uh, it was just an incredible story. I, I remember my grandmother is from. She grew up in in uh in Britain, and that was always something that she talked about. Was uh, remember Dunkirk, mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, and it's definitely a theater movie. One of those movies that you have, you just have to see yeah. it in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a really, really well done. Uh, I don't even want to call it a movie. I'd call it a film or it, it's, <laughs> it's like, just, it's, it's really like well an experience um, when you're watching both visually and uh, kind of mm -hmm. psychologically. And I will say before we move on, um, I know we're running low on time, but if you've seen this movie once and you weren't totally sure, or even twice, Please watch it again yeah, you have and to. then watch it again. I, I, I promise you by the third, fourth time you see it and you kind of gotten past like the time aspect and really trying to piece it together. Um, it's just very rewarding. Yeah, so, I, it's in my three hour wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it, it 100% is, but it feels so fast. I, sure. I agree, Evan. I think this is one of those movies that like the first time you watch it, your brain's almost trying to piece together. You're like trying to figure out, okay, so when is this? You know, because of all the, mm -hmm. the time stuff. Right. Um. But the second and third times you watch it is really when the movie kind of opens up because you get to enjoy it. I've never met a person that's watched this movie that hasn't liked it better uh, after rewatching it a couple times. So Yeah, 100%. Love it. That's your number one. William, Raymond, Mitchell, what is your number one war movie of all time?
Okay. Before I dive into this, just want to say the inverse of Dunkirk, if you do want it, is the uh, Guns of Navarone. Check that one out. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to to check it and out. And another movie earlier. that was on my uh, honorable mentions that features Dunkirk. It's not entirely about Dunkirk. It's called Atonement. Um, Atonement where, has a it has that long tracking shot that like yeah. eleven minute uh, tracking shot. Yeah, and yeah. Atonement's also got one of the best scores um, of recent memory as well. Pretty incredible. So, number number one for me. A Bridge Too Far, mm. 1977, coming in at two hours and 57 minutes. Oh, right in your <laughs> based, uh, based on uh, the movie by Cornelius Ryan, directed by our good friend again, Richard Attenborough, starring Sean Connery, James Caan, Robert Redford, Gene Hackman, and Anthony Hopkins. It is about the World War II mission uh, Market Garden, Operation Market Garden, and... Um, it is about a failed mission again, and Sean Connery is uh, is part of a um, of a of a unit that dropped fifty seven miles behind enemy lines, and essentially every group needed to capture one of seven bridges, um, and they were never reached. Uh, they were supposed to get there in two days, and a uh, uh, infantry division or a paratroop division with small arms had to hold back a Panzer division when they were told it was going to be. Um, just old men on bicycles. They held back a a, um, a Panzer division um, for seven or eight days, and um, it just goes into the scale of it was unbelievable. They had this one scene where they used real C forty sevens, and they did a drop scene where they showed the paratroopers, um, and it was all real because you can't CGI back then. They had cameramen that set up bolted cameras in the uh, the exit, filming people jumping out. They were giving people cameras back. This is 1970. They have these massive cameras. They're attaching them to uh, parachutes. But um, it really goes into the devastation of war from the um, from the civilian standpoint and um, just an unbelievable story of, again, a, a failed mission. But um, just gives you all of the angles from the German angle to the general angle and um, a really, really, really good film. I've seen it dozens of times. I definitely suggest to see it if you have not added to yet. my list. I haven't seen it, unfortunately. I mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to watch it, that. It's unreal. All right, Billy, thank you for your number one. Uh, it is time for my number one, which is an extremely off the wall pick. Um, no one could have seen this coming. Uh, it's inglorious bastards, 2009, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Manly Laurent, Diane Kruger. Evan's looking at me crazy. Uh, so is that a war movie? So this is why it's my off the wall pick. It is a hundred percent a war movie, baby. Friggin', they're in the first year of Germany-occupied France, and Brad Pitt's Aldo Rain's character is a team of Jewish soldiers basically dropping in to commit violent acts of retribution against the Nazis. And then on the other side, uh, you know, it, it covers the fate of uh, Shoshana Dreyfus, who basically is seeking vengeance for the uh, execution of her family. Um, this was nominated for three Oscars, only got one win couple things i love about this movie before we get into the argument of whether or not it's a war movie it definitely is uh everyone's speaking their native language fucking awesome uh super super cool tarantino is amazing uh some really insanely good dialogue as we discussed in like my our favorite movies of all time uh pod the scene in the bar is incredible uh (laughs) the scene where (laughs) um God, the scene, what's his name? 
Evan got it. It's escaping me right now. Uh, British. Aldo Rain. No British. Christoph Waltz. No British actor. Michael Fassbender. Yes. The scene where Michael Fassbender is getting his mission assignment, and uh, <laughs> he's going to get a whiskey. It's in the Globe, and then he goes, "What should we toast to, sir?" <laughs> down with hitler all the way down it's like just like it's just tarantino <laughs> doing his thing and my favorite part about this movie and really what elevates it like for me is i do love tarantino and it's my favorite tarantino movie and the reason it's my favorite war movie um is just that everything about it is just fun for a war movie even though it, it is kind of like it's a revisionist history it's it's ridiculous uh you know and like he says at the end he goes god damn i think this might just be my masterpiece <laughs> Even less, you know, I love I love this movie. If you want to get into the discussion about whether or not it's a war movie now, I'm happy to have that talk. It's a spy. I movie. mean, I think I, I don't I mean, it's a spy movie. What is a war? movie? What is a war movie? It's set on, you know, it's set in a war setting. You could argue that Casablanca is an award movie. You could argue it's a it's a romance film. It, um, I mean, it, but, it is, which it just goes to show you this is another oh. this is another movie where majority of the exposition of the plot is through dialogue which, like I said, I love, um, which is weird because it does like make the movie feel like a little bit slower. Um, but this movie, in, in ways, almost feels like a play. It's just a bunch of really mm -hmm. long set pieces, uh, which I love. Uh, there's some truly terrifying moments with Christoph Waltz's character, and Waltz's performance is like stupid good, speaking mm -hmm. four different languages, English, German, French, Italian. Uh, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Wow. So it's yeah, he's he's incredible uh, in this movie and and Brad Pitt, too. And this is part of the Brad Pitt uh, renaissance, which I'm here for. Was he gone? No, but, you know, neither was fair enough. Neither was <laughs> culture. Of his he's just like it's just like, you know, back to the forefront. He was never gone, but he's just right. like he was just like, yeah, yo, remember me still like yeah. Brad Pitt, like front of the screen. Yeah, come on. Peter. Yeah, he, he's perfect for for Tarantino dialogue. I. You know, I'm with you. I'm giving you this one as a war movie. Um, Are you a little mad because this would have been on your list if you wouldn't have classified it as a spy movie? Well, of course it would be on my <laughs> list, but I don't, you know, because if if we're going to talk about war movies, and I know we mentioned like Schindler's List, but to me, that's not really a war movie either. Like there's the movies that are about the actual war and there are movies about like the consequences of the war and the people kind of like yeah. right on the edges of it. I know they are soldiers. I'm, I'm with you. So I'm this not, is a good point. Kind of, and I guess if you, if you say that then my you know then casablanca and inglorious bastards are, are off my list yeah. right like i was even considering mm -hmm. you know like and i guess it is more of a spy movie but like tinker taylor soldier spy is 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 great that was close to my honorable mentions um see, that's I, like but that one I, but that see that's where i drew the line i was like okay that's mm -hmm. a spy movie and that's not right. a war movie but inglorious bastards is like happening during the height of world war ii Yes, it's a secret mission, but it's still in my mind. It, it's still a war movie. But I was more thinking, you know, honestly, I was getting greedy with this one because when we do a Tarantino pod, I want to do a long time on Inglorious Bastards. So that's the only reason I, I I'm glad you got to say your piece. Yeah, I'm no, I agree. You. We I, should do a long time on it because it's it's there's a lot to take in. I have one add on before we bounce. I know we're running out of time, but on the Brad Pitt and Quentin Tarantino uh, note, there's a film that I love that i will die on this hill that if you have not seen please watch it's true romance yeah. it's one of quit 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I beg Evan, people Evan's freaking out. Evan. I beg people to watch this movie. Um, when you do that podcast, please don't leave this out. It's one wow. of Quentin Tarantino's first uh involvements. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is smoking pot out of a uh honey bear, uh like a, a honey bear uh jeeb. Yes. I mean, this this lineup, Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Samuel L. Jackson, Saul Rubinick. I mean, James Gandolfini's in it oh. from The Sopranos. It, it is so unbelievable. Yeah. Please, Jed, if you haven't seen it, do yourself no, a favor. Please, I've seen it. This is a please. great movie. Okay, Evan, it's I'm fantastic. Evan, Evan loves this movie so much, I love and he rides. So I will hard die on this. Is like the most underrated Tarantino movie ever. It is. It is by far. It's not even a question. Chris Penn's in it. Tom Size. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Don't get me started. I I can talk about this movie for hours. Oh, hours. If we if we had another thirty minutes, we could do thirty minutes just ranting about True Romance because that movie is freaking amazing. Fantastic! I'm watching it tonight. Yeah. I'm curious. Everyone, I'm 100 watching it. Tonight. The hardest thing from a war movie. Um, <laughs> well, I think we can count it. So True oh, Romance hey, is my hey, number. Hey, hey, hey! Leave my list out of this. Jesus. <laughs> All right, really. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank um, you. I really appreciate it. Everybody. This is a blast, guys. This oh, is fantastic. Dude, we're having you back on for sure for the True yeah. Romance pod. True man, yes, yes, please, please. True, true romance. romance pod. Love you're coming off on the true romance. To pod. Hate ourselves and dive into one of those three-hour fucking movies on your list. I guess we'll we'll have you back on too. <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling you, you got to give some of them a look. bridge, a bridge too far from a film perspective and and longest yeah. day. If you want to see something set in the table, but I I love this. I love what you guys are doing. I you you got a fan, you got a listener. Um and uh, guys, keep pressing record, keep pressing play. People, put your phone down and watch the damn yes. movie. I tried to watch long. I tried to watch Enemy at the Gates. My pals the other day. I'm like, guys, you're missing it. You're missing. You're missing Rachel Weisz's and Jude Law's relationship blossom. They're like, there's no action. Enemy, like, no, watch Enemy the movie. at the Gates. I know we had talked about earlier in the pod that most of the movies uh, that we're we talk about are going to be from the American perspective. But Enemy at the Gates mm, is one of the better ones so that's not from the American perspective. So, good. Um, all right. Anyway, before we go, we got to recount our top five. So, Evan, just really quick, run me down through your top five. My top five are. Uh, starting at five going down is Fury, Platoon, Black Hawk Down, Apo- Apocalypse Now, and Dunkirk. All right. Hit me with it, Billy. Uh, I'm pretty sure the order I went with is Kelly's Heroes, Great Escape, Patton, Bridge Too Far, uh, Longest Day, and Bridge Too Far. And mine was Apocalypse Now, The Hurt Locker, Casablanca, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, and Inglorious Bastards. Billy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on. This was a ton of fun. Uh, and everybody, if you're a Hokie fan, go listen to Sons of Saturday. Uh, and if not, still go give it a listen. Go give it a subscribe. Help the guy Here, out. Show me some love, fellas. I appreciate you having me on. We'll do this again soon. Thank you so right, much. Thanks, Billy. Thank you. All right, guys. Time for Hot Take Corner. This week, Evan's going to give us a hot take. Cue that fire. All right, welcome to Hot Take Corner, Uh-oh. Uh, the part of the show that uh, we say shit that people probably aren't going to like. Mm-hmm. Last week, I was in the hot seat. I was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So this week, I, I said, you know, Evan, I really, really, really need you to get in the hot seat. Uh, yeah, I need to hear your hot take. You know, we already talked about a little bit before that. Hey, you know, war movies, maybe not your favorite thing. I feel a spicy take coming on. Mm hmm. 
am I ready for it? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I but, honestly hope not. I'm but I ready. Want you to, I want you to hit me with it. Okay. So my hot take on war movies um, is let's not have another for 10 years. Oh, let's see what happens. Are we going to automatically combust? I, we were telling a lot of, um, and it's funny that I say that because my favorite war movie of all time came from a few years ago, but Dunkirk doesn't even feel, as I mentioned, you know, it feels very movie-like. It doesn't feel like it's necessarily, it's giving you a synopsis of a, of a true story, um, but it's not based on like, you know, real people and things like that. Um, so but, you don't want any yeah. more like, you're fine with movies like that, but you don't want any more like Lone Survivors. That's what you're saying. I definitely don't need another lone survivor. And and honestly, I just want to I just want to know it are people going to stop seeing movies? We just make so many of these movies and I just want to know what will happen if if we just don't have any for shoot, you know, well I should stick with my guns at 10. I could even go 5 cuz I know some people will really yeah. really want to uh, cry about it, but uh, you know what what would happen? W would we not see some some better movies made in other genres i don't know we just seem to put so much money into these movies you know what this is a really really interesting take <laughs> you wanting to put a moratorium on war movies like the yes. thing that's probably the most popular genre in the history it's actually probably not i mean like not saying probably it is the most popular yeah. genre in the history probably the most cinema. profitable yeah a hundred percent um i do think hollywood's starting to come around to your idea because they're slowing down that's for sure true. That's like true. the 2010s didn't give us a ton of war movies. Um, they gave us some, mm -hmm. but I remember when they happened, they were a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard because it's like, I want to agree with you and just be like, yeah, let's just get some different vibes no, in know. here. But dude, I love war movies. Like they're, they're good. I don't think we should like flood the market with them. And I think the 2010s have got like, we've got the right cadence, right? Like we mm -hmm. had Dunkirk. When did that come out? 15 14 17 17 oh yeah. man i felt like so long ago i know 2020 like feels was maybe right before that yeah see i think you're right like we don't need the i don't necessarily need all of them but like if you just gave me like dunkirk in 1917 the last five years those are the only okay. two war movies we have yeah. i'm like yeah i'm satisfied because i think i think those are incredible achievements but mm -hmm. i don't know this is tough because i really want to agree with you but it's hard because I like this genre in general. Like there's yeah. a lot of movies, there's a lot of movies that like mean a lot to me that are in this genre, you know, as we talked about in our lists, like, but I guess where I net out is like, as we talked about, like Casablanca and Inglorious Bastards are like two of my favorite war movies. Mm -hmm. And even the wind that shakes the barley, it doesn't feel like a traditional war movie because right. it's, you know, set during kind of more of a revolution, mm -hmm. uh, so my top three favorite war movies are not like traditional genre war movies. Mm -hmm. So I could be in for this moratorium as long as you allow stories to be told that like take place during that time period. Right. I'm oh, in. That's really loud. Oh, I'm in. I'm okay. in. Okay. Yeah, hey, let's, listen. And you know, let's make first it five years. I don't mean to freak everyone out. Let's make it five years. I just, it's not even that I wouldn't watch them when they come out. I, I watch them all. I kind of watch all the movies that come out, but I just want to know what would happen like what what would sam mendez have made if he didn't make 1917 don't you put I, that evil on me i, I'm not I even love 1917 i'm just it, no i i liked i enjoyed the movie and we'll definitely talk about it next week um but i'm just curious what what would what would he have done 
you know, uh, and I love Dunkirk so much and I don't want him to replace it. But what would Christopher Nolan have done if he kept going with his, uh, you know, original tales? I guess we'll see with Tenet coming up. But um, I don't know. Just food for thought. I might take a wild guess and say Christopher Nolan would have done something that has to do with time and time. space. Time We're going space. backwards and now forwards. Oh, my God. <laughs> and now we're in the middle. It's just, yeah, dude, it's God. I love, I, I will do a whole Chris Nolan podcast. That's yeah. a very important subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Chris Nolan, but like, and like, I'm going to see tenant and I'm going to be like, I'm going to love it. But those movies just don't age as well for me just because they're, Whoa. they all, they all have to do the same thing. And I'm God damn it. I sucked myself in the hot take corner. No, I I like sucked, no, we're hey, don't worry. We're I'll be on the hot seat for Christopher Nolan episode. Um, All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it uh, for today's episode. First of all, thank you so much for listening. We can't thank you enough for everything uh, that you guys have done. Please continue to uh, like, rate, subscribe, join the conversation on Twitter. Evan, where can the people follow us? Yeah, so again, on on Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, send us an email, whatever. We are flicking scream on Twitter, flicking and screaming on Instagram, and flicking and screaming at gmail.com uh, is our email. So definitely shoot us, you know, an email, shoot us a DM, whatever. Let us know what we're doing. Let us know what we can talk about. And, you know, we're just having a great time doing this and a great time talking to everybody who reaches out. Yes, definitely. And uh, for our personal takes uh, on all these movies and other things, uh, you can find our personal information uh, in the bios uh, on Instagram and Twitter of the Flicking and Screaming account. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Next week coming up, we've actually got two episodes for you. Uh, like I promised on Monday, we're going to have a deep dive, shorter format episode on one of my favorite war movies of all time called The Wind That Shakes the Barleys. We also have a, uh, a special guest, uh, Patty Lynch from the Patty Talks Golf Podcast. Uh, he's an Irishman uh, here to talk about what that movie means, uh, you know, means to him. Uh, and he's a dear friend of mine. So I'm excited to have him on the podcast. And then after that, Evan and I are going to be breaking down the top five movies, according to us, of 2019. Yeah. Uh, so we're really excited for that. Kind of more recent history, mm-hmm. but really important because a lot of these movies are accessible. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, we both think that 2019 is a, was an amazing year for movies. We love the movies, uh, you know, this last year. And as far as suggestions go, um, I would say, you know, just take a peek at the Oscar nominations across the board and just kind of pick and choose some movies that you either haven't seen before or want to revisit. And I'm sure we'll end up talking about them. Damn right. All right. That's it for us. Thank you so much for listening to flicking and screaming until Monday. I'm Jed Sprague. That's Evan Fagundis. We got Travis Rigsby taking us out. Bye for now. See you next week.